Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Roger Abel here with Elias Randall again. Eli, it's already time. Fidelity's 15th annual resolution studies. We did this last year. We'll do it again. Christmas is in like seven days, right? I don't know. What's today? It's Monday. It's next Monday. Okay. Yeah, seven days. Aren't you doing your little flippy calendar? Nope. What happened? Or the little didn't or don't you have a figurine or something you were telling me about your grandma started and I don't do it. The kids do it. Well, aren't they doing it? Don't you Christmas is next week. That's what I don't know. you glance at it? No. You travel it's for on Christmas? The wall. Do you travel? No. I'm not no, we're not going anywhere. We'll be we'll be home. Oh yeah, we talked about this last time. Yeah, yeah wife, we'll be home. We're not going anywhere. We're having some company. We'll go to uh Oh, I can't remember. Where are we going? One of my in-laws' house for nice. Christmas. It'll be nice. Are you going to make a resolution next year? Nope. I made one. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, because they don't, they don't matter. Just because the year... Why... Okay, resolutions. The year changes. Well, why would that... The year changes every year. That doesn't mean that I... I'll, oh, all of a sudden, now I have things to do. You know, but at least it, like... Gets you on the right track to start the year, even though it might only last nine days. It gets you on the right track, right mindset I've for never, next year. I think I did resolutions once, and it was because you asked me to because we were filming filming a podcast about resolutions, but it's not something I typically do. Okay, do you set goals? Yes, but the calendar doesn't impact... Like, okay, we go from December to January. I don't change my goals just because we went from March to April. So are goals and resolutions different? Dude, I don't know. I feel like there's a resolution similar, sounds like like a change. Because like I'm gonna change <laughs> yes. this habit where goals like I want to accomplish this, but realistically, they're probably the same thing. Like I want to use the Peloton, but nobody does. The Peloton? Yeah. <laughs> There you go. That's yeah. a good resolution. We, we, Use your Peloton more. My resolution's to sell the Peloton. Yeah, and the other thing I don't I mean, I think it's okay to get started and yeah, it's a nice idea to get your year started correctly, but um I just don't I don't understand why okay, now it's January 1st, so now oh, I'm different now. Sorry, but I my well, and my goals aren't changing because of the time of year. Don't you get like more excited this time of year or not? Like you get excited about a new no. year, you get to start over fresh. <laughs> You're like, nah, it's the same thing. All right, whatever. Uh, so but for we're not, but what do we start? But we're not starting anything over other yeah. than the year. Everybody starts over at zero January 1st. For what do you mean? Start at zero. Everybody's income for the year zero. You know, I was talking about returns for the year zero. It See, all starts over. It's I a was, fresh look. Which I, okay, I'm kind of a complainer anyway, but. I was talking about this with someone the other day, how, like, you know, we're going to start talking about 2024. What about 2023? It's not even over yet. Let's, you know, what about finishing the year? Everyone gets started talking, well, what are we going to do next year? What about finishing the year well, we're you, in? You just slide into, the, you just coast into the end of 2023, and you come into 24 with a roar. That's the goal. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> to in the Fidelity's 15th annual resolution study, key findings. Uh, this this isn't any different than any other year. Top 
three financial resolutions are save more money, pay down debt, spend less money. I mean, honestly, I look at that and that seems like a seems like a recipe for success. It's probably yeah. not a whole lot harder than that. We like to How make tricky. it. Well, I mean, if you turn on financial news, financial media, even us sometimes, we make it more complicated than it really is. It comes down to pretty easy, easy things to do to start to build your net worth. And I mean, that's what this show's about. So, I mean, everybody's resolutions probably save my, my resolutions to save more money. I already saved a bunch, but I want to save more. I'd like to spend less. I looked at my QuickBooks and there's some places that I'd like to spend less that I thought See, were frivolous. You need resolutions. You know, maybe we should call it awareness. What's your awareness for 2024? One of the things as, as I think about this, though, I think instead of people just saying, hey, I want to do this, they have to put some actual steps in there. So saving more money is broad. What what does that mean? What are you saving more money for? You That's know, a good question. I mean, seriously, if someone says, well, I want to save more money. Well, why? To have more. OK, to have more to do what? It could be, hey, step one of my resolution is I want to save more money to get a super funded emergency account. Or I met with my financial advisor and I'm not on track for retirement. So now I need to save more money to be able to retire at 62 or whatever the goal is. Or I want to buy another residency or bigger house. So that's why I'm saving money. So I think when people do resolutions, they should be pretty detailed because otherwise it's just broad and it's easy to say, well, why am I doing that? I don't, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, th I think if you're, anytime you set out to do something, there should be an action item and you should probably get started with the doing part. So if you want to save more money, just start, do it, you know, just get started doing it. If it's $20 a week, then great. It's something, but you're saving more than you used to. Um, Let me, I have a comment. That's a, a good point. Um, when people just start, they're starting to make the activity more of a habit and saving money for some people can get like slightly addicting, kind of become a game. And I'll, I had this from personal experience back when I started doing this in 2002, I guess I opened ING had a, high yield savings account ING is now capital One Three Sixty, but it was ING orange savings is what it was called. It was paying 5.75%. I'll never forget. My mom called me up and I was in the insurance business. She goes, Hey, when you were a kid, I took out this small life insurance policy. There's some cash in there. What, what should we do with them? Like I'm going to start my emergency fund. So I put that in the account and I decided I was going to save a weekly amount each week, like 20. I literally, I think I started at like $25. But then how responsible of you? Well, I mean, I didn't want to be a responsible adult thing to do. But mom got me kickstarted because she had that cash and some life insurance policy she took out way back when. And anyway, so I started doing a weekly amount. And then what I would do is I'd up the weekly amount. So I'd go for a month and do it. Then the next month I'd up it. Well, I kept doing this until it got to a point where I actually because it was kind of fun. Like, oh, could I save this amount every week? And I knew if I needed the money, it was there, right? Like it wasn't like I was spending it. 
Well, I got to this point where it got really painful. Like I don't have any money. So I was able to kind of figure out the equilibrium of, Hey, this is the amount that I can actually save and not feel broke. And it kind of became an addict, not an addict, kind of like every week. I'm like, man, I wonder if I could do X amount more until it got to be a big number. And then I scaled it back, but that's a good way to kind of see, you know, what you can afford. Like, a good example, if you're thinking about making a big purchase, that's $2,000. Let's say you're going to buy a vacation place. Well, maybe even if you have the down payment made, maybe you just save the 2500 bucks a month for four or five months and see how it goes acting like you have that payment before you just go get it. Like, or the car, the person who's looking at taking a car loan. Today, the car loan, which we don't advocate, but car loans are... You know, the average loan's what, $700, the average car payment? Before you pull the trigger, maybe just start looking at, hey, can I actually afford to do this? Yeah, that's a, those are all really good ideas. And even, I guess, practicing some kind of payment like you're talking about, that's sounds like an adult thing to do. Um, but yeah, anything, I think here's one of the other with resolutions and what if it's a resolution, if it's a longer term goal, and this is me personally, I think having a vision for what you want is important, but that doesn't stop the fact that, well, Monday morning's gonna hit, so you should probably do some things. Tuesday's gonna hit. Like it's what you choose to do every day that really matters. And that that's just my opinion on things. Um, you know, so in the world of resolutions, that's you can have the greatest resolution of all time, but if there's no action or no doing, it really doesn't matter. And the other thing, here's the other thing I don't like about, see, now you got me complaining about stuff. <laughs> New Year's resolutions. Well, everyone's going to want to lose weight. And then in January and February, the gym is just going to be packed. Actually, with people. Y- you just gave me a great idea. What? Right now is the time to list that Peloton for sale. Because somebody out there is going to make the New Year's resolution that I'm going to yeah, lose you're going to sell it, sell it right now. I should sell it right now. My wife hasn't stepped foot on that thing in 12 months. It hasn't. The pedals, the pedals have turned because my girls go down and play with the pedals. Outside of that, nobody's turning the pedals on the Peloton. Uh, that's a good one. You know, here's what's ironic. So. I'm going to let you give me insight to this. In this study, they, they asked how many people were going to make a resolution. Okay. 53% of baby boomers said they make resolution. Gen, Gen X, 66%. Millennials, 76 And Gen Z, 75 Wow. 76% of millennials? So basically, 75% of young people are going to make a resolution. So and I'm, I'm, and I'm, it's a coin flip if you're over like 65. Why is that? It's just a common, common thing to do. No, I I think it's the boomers have figured out that we're gonna make. They're just like you. Yeah, they don't they're a little care. wiser. They're a little they older. Like, care. well, I've done all this stuff, and a lot of boomers are probably at you know a point in their life where they don't want to change anything, or they made a resolution the last thirty five years, and guess what? They were done by January tenth. So, like, why would I make it? Yeah, I'm a 25%er. I'm a 25% of millennials that don't do the resolution. But it, yeah, I don't 
Um, yeah, it's just a common, it's a common thing. So yeah, baby boomers, they're just, they've given up. They've half of half of them have said, I'm not going to do it anyway. As I look at the, that's not a bad thing. They're probably like, oh, this is just a waste of time. It's not going to happen. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if it's in here. What's the percentage of resolutions that actually come to fruition? And you know what? Two, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to tell you why a lot don't think about this for a second. How many people, Elias, do you think write their resolution down in three places and make it real? None. They sit around and they sit with their wife on New Year's Eve like, oh, I got to make a resolution. I guess I'm going to go to I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year. And they talk about it for nine days. But they never wrote it down, so just wasn't real. Got to get that writ down somewhere. Writ down. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> hey, um, okay. As I was getting going for this, Molly made me watch this TikTok. Have you ever seen this? It's the TikTok where the woman asked their husbands or boyfriends how often they think about the Roman Empire. And apparently this guy says all the time. When was the last time you thought about the Roman Empire? If I, I'll tell you when. If I saw something about Gladiator. it on TV. <laughs> yeah, if I watched a movie when I was in school studying world history. But, like, I don't think i don't know i why should i be thinking about well yeah i need i need more resolutions and i need to think about the roman empire well, how did this well, start oh well, so there's this tiktok and apparently there's all these guys that think about the roman empire all the time i'm like what so it's a thing on tiktok now if you go watch it they're claiming my relationship with money is their roman empire meaning i'm thinking about my money all the time so i just I I there's I got to be something video. to this we do not know anything about. This doesn't Is there make... some is there got to be a TV show or something that had the Roman Empire and it's super popular that we don't watch? I don't know, but I'm like I literally Elias in the last 20 years have never thought about the Roman Empire. I've thought about Roman coins cuz I watched The Curse of Oak Island. And they're finding some Roman coins, but I've never thought about randomly the Roman Empire. So it's something going viral on TikTok, which you know it's a younger person thing. So I, I thought, I thought it'd be ironic. Well, other than uh, the uh, the Roman Empire and how important that is, and maybe there's a compelling reason I should think about it more often. There are things people are thinking about and with the fidelity that so fidelity has the study about resolutions and what people are planning on doing it also talks about top financial concerns for for 2024 i don't think this will be a surprise to listeners but inflation's impact on day-to-day -day expenses is still top of mind for a lot of people and i think i know just so this last weekend i was at a uh at a family Christmas, one that we had to do early because of time and all that. And, you know, and inflation gets brought up even just around like Christmas. Oh, buying gifts and doing all the wrapping paper and everything. So inflation is just kind of the, uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving here the last couple of years. And uh, it, it's, it's very impactful. I think it's been a lot harder for um, 
there's probably an argument to be made that like people at the bottom end of income and stuff like that, it's probably really hurting their pocketbook and the things that are going on. I mean, inflation's annoying for everyone, but um, it's still, it's a top concern going into 2024. Unexpected expenses is up there and that's probably typical, right? Because those type of things happen all the time. What's that? Here's what I think about unexpected expenses. That's also impacted by inflation. Yeah. You know, the unexpected expense used to be a thousand bucks and now it's two. Yeah. Which kinds inflation. of, I mean, then I only know this cause I've had a couple of them. I'm like, really? It was that much. I'd have a part fixed on my boat. And I'm like, huh? Seems like a lot of money for a pump. I mean, it was like several thousand dollars. Like Inflation. 2700 bucks. I'm like, that's a lot of money for a pump where, you know, that's an unexpected expense. And it's probably a reason people should start revisiting. Hey, is my my uh, my emergency fund adequate? Like, think about this. If your emergency fund used to be 10000 and let's just say everything's 30 or 40% more expensive, which arguably, arguably I think it's more. Well, maybe you need 15 or 20 now. Like, just because you had a fully funded emergency account three years ago doesn't mean it's good. Here's here's the other thing I've noticed with inflation. Um, you you know that I do all the grocery shopping in the house for the most part. My wife will stop, but I enjoy doing it. It's kind of like relaxing for me. I just walk around, no kids, drink my coffee, run into a bunch of people I know. What's really expensive is all the processed stuff now. Used to be, right, if you went to the grocery store and stayed in the outside aisles, the produce and the meat and that stuff, that was like the expensive stuff, the healthy stuff. And if you needed inexpensive stuff, you go inside, your ramen noodles, your, you know, uh, macaroni and cheese, all that stuff. Well, macaroni and cheese is like $2 a box now. It's not even worth it. Dude, I bought a marinade the other day, Elias. How much do you think a marinade is at the store? And not a name brand, which is like the high V brand. How much? How, five bucks. How, how big a bottle? Well, just a little know. one shot deal. It's like five bucks. I'm like, and I don't watch the prices, but then I'm at the register and you know, now it's self, you know, you self checkout. You get the best service when you check out yourself, you know? And, uh, <laughs> um, everything's like at least two ninety nine or three ninety nine. There's nothing for under a dollar at the store anymore. Yeah. I mean everything. And so you mentioned putting a, pinch on people's budget it for sure is putting if you are in a lower income you know level is pinching your budget just trying to feed your family um but when you said unexpected expenses it just made me think that you know we all have them and they're twice as much money as they used to be yeah so and then have you noticed like all the shrinkflation Oh yeah. Like all the packaging is smaller and, Lies, and this is you were with us the other night. We went to a different uh we went to a different restaurant after the radio show to get chicken wings. Eight chicken wings. How much do you think they were? Eight wings, eighteen dollars. They were sixteen bucks. I go, really? Two dollars a pop. Yeah. I mean, our normal place, it's like 12 or 13 bucks for a bunch. I'm like eight chicken wings for 16 bucks. 
that's shrinkflation right there. That's both. That's inflation and shrinkflation, both sides. Well, there used to be a chicken wing shortage. Maybe they're still, you know. I think that got fixed. Of course it did, but that, of course it did, but it doesn't mean they're not using it as a convenient excuse. Um, so I got another shrinkflation story, which I don't know if this is even true. This is probably just my own conspiracy theory, but this last weekend at christmas so there was a couple dips there some of the dips were meant for like ritz crackers i think the ritz crackers are weaker than they used to be like they break as soon as you dip them into something now so then i was like dude did they figure out how to like make it look it's like the same size it looks the same but there's less of something because the crackers are, to me, they seem like they're weaker now. And you know what? So then I was I was like, oh, here we go, shrinkflation again, ruining my holiday. The Ritz cracker used to be a pretty heavy-duty cracker. That's what I kind of think of it uh, of it as. Like, yeah, it's like good for dip. Like, it's if you're going to have a dip or something, it's a good one because it won't break. And now they break every time. So check this <laughs> out. Know. Well, so we bought a box at Townhouse. Maybe there's something to it. So I get the Townhouse crackers. And I look for the box to make sure I'm not getting the one that somebody like dropped or sat on. Half the crackers are broken when you open them. In the I just, pack? Yeah, I just did London's lunch today and half the crackers that I put in there are broken in half. I'm sure she's going to cry because she had crack- crackers. Yep. They're broken. Shrinkflation. I, I never thought about that one. That one's a, that's a pretty insightful one there. Um, I can give you good insights when it comes to that, uh, dude, that crackers and dip. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Uh, a third of people say the relationship or their Roman Empire with money is stressful. Uh, that, that, that's got to be similar. But um, of those feeling stressed, the, stop, the top thing stressing people out is finding money to save for their goals after paying bills. Well, that, that's always one. And this is where I always, you know, that's an easy way. I got an easy way to not be stressed out about that first one. Just pay yourself first. Then pay the bills. Build your lifestyle around paying yourself first. Uh, 37% of people are struggling to pay their monthly bills. And 34% of people don't believe they have enough for retirement savings. Man, the 34% thinking they don't have enough for retirement savings is actually kind of a shocking number to me. Shockingly low. low. Well, I mean, yeah, it's low. I mean, there's a lot of people that don't even think about it. No, people just have their head in their sand. They're not even thinking about retirement. There's no way, because if they were, it wouldn't be 34%. Or they have this false idea of what they're actually going to need. Yeah, or they just have no idea. They might just not even have any idea what they should be doing or how to do it. Right. All right, Elias, we're going to play a game. Have you ever played the game Would You Rather? Yep. All right, let's play. You have to guess the percentage for each one. Well, I'll just ask you, and then I'll tell you the percentage. That'll actually be more fun. Take your chances finding love in a reality show or take your chances in the stock market. Would you rather? That one's easy. I would never go on a reality show <laughs> for yeah. anything, let alone yeah. to date date uh, date someone that a whole Dude. group of people's dating. But hold on. I would never do hold that. Hold on. Wait till I tell you the numbers. 28% of the people would rather look for love. They think their probability of success is higher looking for love on a reality TV show. 
than making money in the stock market. <laughs> that dude, that's a that's like that's bizarre. It's a, almost a third of the people think they'd have a better chance going on Bachelor. They just want to go on Bachelor Island. This isn't about where they're going to be more successful. They just want to go play the game. Probably. Okay, Elias. Would you rather trade memes all day or trade stocks all day? And trading memes just means sent sharing them with people. Pictures, I guess. I thought it, I thought it said meme stocks. It was like making sense. But it's just trading. 52% of people would rather trade memes with people than to trade stocks. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Like that's just I crazy. Um, I don't do either. I don't. I well, don't okay. do either so, of those things. So anyway, back it up. So. Here's the deal. We're thinking that you and I are thinking of this from what would be more profitable and what would be a better use of our time. And we're clearly more interested in the stock market. Yeah. The vast majority of the population probably would much rather trade memes for fun than yeah. try to trade stocks because that's a total drag. So there's a lot of entertainment a, value there. So that makes a little memes bit more sense. If you take this out of the context of it's about making money, if it's about entertainment, then I kind of understand that. So I got to tell you something. So a buddy of mine that I went to high school with, he's got this TikTok channel or something where people send him memes and he reads it. Really? And I hope he's not listening, but it's really boring. But he, he's had like several that have went viral when I had like over a million views. I mean, I think that's a stick. You know what I mean? Like it's to say it in this really monotone voice and just read the meme. I'll, I'll have it's to show it to you. Done. I'm going to show. Everyone's like, oh, it's probably you. Oh, it's not me. Actually, we got to get you a channel. No. I know a person who set you up. Um, no. All right. Would you rather complete a clean eating challenge or do a no spending challenge for the entire month of January? No spending. I, I can or tell clean you which eating. one's easier. I'd have an easier time not spending any money. Eating clean is is hard to do. For especially, I'm saying, would you rather? What would you rather do? You'd rather spend no money, or you'd rather eat clean? I'd rather spend no money. Okay. Than eat clean for 30 days. I mean, my diet consists of chicken wings and pizza. How is I? How am I going to go 30 days eating clean? You could air fry those wings. Is that considered clean eating? Cleaner. I mean, if it was buffalo sauce and you air fried, I'm like, there's still like some chicken fat, but there's no carbohydrates. There's no sugar. Some calories in there. Mm. The peak me. Okay, mm. you aren't fried up. I get it. I, I mean, mm. I'd, I'd go sacred cow grilled and fried <laughs> Thursday afternoon. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd. I'd go for the no clean. Me personally, I'd do the clean eating challenge. I'd rather do that. Forty-five um, percent said they'd rather do clean eating challenge versus fifty-five percent doing no spending. Uh, here's the good news: two thirds of American Americans believe this year they're going to be better off than they were last year, and I I think that's probably just people feeling like inflation's a little less. You go to the gas pump; it's three bucks or less now. Eggs aren't five dollars. You can buy eggs for two dollars or less. Milk's about three bucks. Like stuff is becoming less expensive compared to where it was. I don't think we're going to see deflation, which I think a lot of people 
think that's what we're going to see. But I also think the other thing is, if you look at the news, six to 18 months ago, the news was dominated by worst stock market crash ever, massive recession, and what's happened? The market went down, mm -hmm. it came back. There's no recession. Are we going to have a recession? Yes. Do I know when? No. But I feel like the narrative has changed for people. I agree with that. And people have also, with time, kind of gotten used to the new economic environment or whatever you want to call it. You know, when we had inflation at 9% and now aggressive interest rate hikes and the market going, I mean, there was a lot of challenges, certainly. And 2022 right so and that can that can make people pretty negative and sometimes i've actually noticed recently there's a lot there's people that they still expect you know when they get they we do a review or something we go through a whole report of how things are going and a lot of people are like oh i expected it to be worse right so i think that negativity kind of lingers you just kind of oh well it's just bad now well, it goes back to we did um, Franklin Templeton did a study. Man, we used to do this in a workshop where they asked people what they thought the stock market did for the year, whether it was positive or negative. And like 70% of the time, people said the stock market was negative when reality was 80% positive. But there was always an event that happened throughout the year apocalypse du jour. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the event of the year? that made everybody think that it was going to be negative. And honestly, it's usually better than what people think. And part of it is, here's the other thing that people get stuck on. They get these monthly investment statements. So they're tracking their account balance monthly or daily or whatever craziness is happening because it doesn't matter. Uh, oh, my account went down over 30 days. But what did it do for the whole period of time? Yeah, the whole period. You're anyone who's been invested and stayed invested is massively better off than if you would have never done it. Let me give you a, a crazy analogy. So, if people are looking at their statement on a monthly basis, saying, "Oh, it went down this month," that's like your boss coming to you at work and saying, "Yep, your productivity was down eight percent this month," even though all year you could have been working overtime could be October. You worked overtime every single week for nine months, and then your boss comes as well. Your productivity went down this month. <laughs> Th think about it. Am I right? That's exactly the same thing. Or. Well, it's a good thing. Hey, it's a good thing the year is going to change, and everyone's going to have resolutions, and productivity is going to be up 35%. Productivity is going to be zero in seven days. Everybody's going to uh, start at zero. Yeah. Uh, with that said, we're kind of rolling into 2024. Goal setting is what, you know, that's, it's funny. I didn't look at the bottom half of this outline. That's why I said is, our goals the same thing as resolutions, kind of. I feel like resolutions are changes. Goals are things I want to accomplish. And I think it's probably key to, um, when you're setting goals, there's probably some key things we should look at doing. One, it needs to be specific. You know, we use the example of saving money. Well, what for? Make it specific. Two, you need to write it down because if you don't write it down, it's not really real. Or you need to tell, at least it, you have to write it down, but you should tell somebody too. 
Because once you tell somebody what's happened, you've made a public commitment. Oh. If I said, Elias, I'm going to do X and I write it down. Well, I've made a commitment to doing that now. It's you're, one thing to you're think in, in your now. head. You're pot committed. Well, I mean, there's the opportunity that somebody would hold you accountable. Hey, yeah, I thought absolutely. you were going to do this. Where if you don't tell anybody, you don't write it down, it's not real. Like, that's a want, actually. It's not a goal, it's a want. So there's another key thing that came from this study, and then we're going to wrap the show up. But main reasons people kept their 2023 resolution. What are they? Motivated by their passion, 30%. So that means somebody made a resolution. The people that are actually, I mean, 30% is like off the charts, keeping a resolution. But the insight there is people made their resolution around something they were passionate about, not something they didn't really believe in. Hmm. Think about that. Like, oh, I mean, it's like most things. If you like people, they say, you know, to be super successful, you have to do something you're passionate about. Well, kind of backs it up like if the average resolutions accomplished two percent of the time and this these people did it 30 percent they found what they like to do it'd be if i wasn't married it didn't have kids i'd say well my new resolutions to fish three days a week that'd be a great a great resolution. for a single person yeah that'd be great that'd be awesome enjoyable uh, fun yeah achievable motivated by my passion that's right um, 26% said it felt good to make progress. I agree with that. If you could do, it's like anything. If you can do it for a day and then you go to three days and then a week, the next week is easier than the first week. And it gets easier and easier and easier and easier. It's really just like the first launching point of doing it. A lot of times it's the first like three days with most things. Like if I said, Elias, you can't eat sugar for a day you could probably do that oh yeah but if i said you can't do it for a week it becomes more challenging but i promise because i've done this once you do it for a week it's easier to do it the next week because you're in like the routine and the habit and all that stuff yeah i agree with that uh 26 said their financial goal was clear and specific well i think that's if it's not clear it's not specific it's not going to happen and the other 25 percent, i think this is actually really important it was realistic and easy to maintain. Yeah. Make a realistic goal. If you've never saved money, don't say, well, I'm going to save 50000 this year unless you have like a high income. Just start out like you said, how about we save 20 bucks a week? That's probably, in my opinion, the, the biggest hurdle between setting goals and achieving goals is are they realistic? I think a lot of t a lot of times people you can set a goal, but if it's not realistic, it doesn't really matter. And there's nothing wrong with having having a goal that you know is achievable, and then using that to build momentum into another goal. Right? A lot I of like times that. people are like, "Oh, you know, it, goals." It if it's not realistic to achieve, like in a timely okay, let's say it's a goal that's going to take you 10 years to achieve. Well, the end date shouldn't be the start of 2025. 
But maybe there's three things you could do this year that move you closer. The micro goals. There you go, micro goals. No, I like what you said because I feel, and we talk about this a lot, a lot of life's momentum. Like once you kind of get the ball rolling, it's easier, and you got all this momentum, and we talk about a lot, how do you not wreck your momentum? You got to keep doing the doing part. Yeah, and don't make it overly complicated. Uh, But the the last part of this day I think is, really telling is the vast majority of people, 80% of the people who had financial advisors were able to stick to their financial resolution compared to 51% of those people without. Hey, that's a nice, that's a nice statistic right there. It's in here's. It's not because there's a financial advisor telling you, Hey, you need to do this or do anything magic. But my, my inference there is that the advisor's been able to portray to the person why this is important and impactful for them to do versus someone just telling them. You know, when you do a financial plan for somebody, you're able to kind of quantify what needs to happen and you're taking the guesswork out of it. Well, if people really know what they have to do to be successful and they're clear, specific, concise, and it's written, written financial plan, that's kind of the recipe for success. Yeah, and I I think that is, you know, a lot of people, even some of the most successful people that I've had interactions with and even maybe done financial plans for and all that, I think there's a level of confidence and conviction people have, especially after they go through a process like that. Because there's a lot of people out there that are doing the right things. They don't, they may not know I'll have well we do we think we're doing pretty good you hear people say that all the time we think we're doing pretty good because you know we have no debt we've been good savers for a long time and all that but then I think when you can show them that yeah the here's the things you are doing right maybe here's a couple things we could keep doing but maybe we need to do them differently or maybe think about it differently and and then people really kind of lean into that and I think once they're they're confident in it that's probably why 80 percent of people with advisors stick to their financial resolutions. Yeah. Because it's it's probably easier when you kind of have someone there that you trust that can give you, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think about that? Well, here's the pros and cons. Like here's kind of the way I think about it. And then you kind of set some action items and go, and it works out. Hey, well, that said, Elias, I want to, Thank everybody for listening today. I hope everybody has an enjoyable holiday. If you're looking for help from an advisor, you can get us at btwellshow.com. If you're looking for more content like this, you can follow us on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, uh, and you can subscribe on the YouTube channel if you're looking for more content like this. I want to thank everybody for listening. Hope you have a great holiday. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. 
Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks including possible loss of principal. Dollar cost averaging involves continuous investment in securities. Regardless of fluctuation in price levels of such securities, an investor should consider their ability to continue purchasing through fluctuating price levels. Such a plan does not assure profit and does not protect against loss.